there are two ways to really capture our attention, um, or I would say any bureau's attention. Welcome to Mic Drop, the podcast for professional speakers. We cover the ins and outs of the business, helping you deliver more impact on bigger stages at higher fees. You'll gain an inside edge through intimate conversations with the world's most successful keynote speakers. Mic Drop is brought to you by eSpeakers. I'm your host, Josh Linkner. Get ready for some inspiring Mic Drop moments together. Today's show is sponsored by Three Ring Circus, the industry's top training and development program for professional speakers. They've helped hundreds of speakers launch or scale their speaking business, earning tens of millions in speaking fees, landing bureau representation, securing book deals, and rising to the top of the field. If you're looking to take your speaking business to the next level, they'll simply help you get there faster. To learn more and schedule a free 30-minute consultation, visit 3ringcircus.com forward slash mic drop. That's three, the number three, ringcircus.com forward slash mic drop. Mic drop is produced and presented by eSpeakers. If you want more audiences and organizations to be moved and changed by your message, you owe it to yourself to find out why thousands of top experts use eSpeakers to manage and grow their business. When you use eSpeakers, you'll feel confident about your business, package yourself up for success, and be able to focus on what matters most to you and your business. For more information and a free 30-day trial, visit eSpeakers.com forward slash mic drop. That's eSpeakers.com forward slash mic drop. On today's show, we have one of the most highly respected leaders in our industry. Sean Hanks is the CEO of Premier Speakers Bureau, one of the largest bureaus in the world, booking thousands of events and touching millions of lives each year. In addition to leading Premier, he's also been the president of IASB, the International Association of Speaker Bureaus. In Sean's 22 years in the business, he's seen it all. And today, he shares a candid look at the business, where it's been, where it is, and where it's going. Some highlights of my conversation with Sean include effective approaches to initiating and building relationships with speaker bureaus, and also how not to botch it. He also shares the myths and truths of effectively working with speaker bureaus to boost your speaking business. How the industry is shifting from male, pale, and stale to a much more diverse tapestry, providing an ideal opportunity for female speakers, speakers of color, and other diverse voices. Sean also reflects on speaker staying power, how to stay relevant and enjoy longevity in the speaking business, along with some specific recommendations for speakers early on in their career. My good friend, Sean Hanks, welcome to Mic Drop. Josh Linkner, great to see you, man. So I've been so excited for our conversation. I really wanted to dig in. So for those that don't know you, I gave you an introduction, but CEO of Premier Speakers Bureau, one of the largest, most successful, most highest integrity bureaus uh, in the planet. And I know you've been there for, for a couple decades and, you, and you're, you're leading the ship. Maybe just give us a quick background on Premier. And then I'd also love to hear a little bit your personal background as well. 
Yeah, true. Well, Josh, this is always fun for me, man. It's great to great to see you, and I appreciate you having me on here for this conversation. Yeah, Premier was founded in 1994, and we're in a, a what used to be a small bedroom community outside of Nashville, Tennessee, Franklin. It's no longer small, but it's grown up. We've grown with it, um, and. Premier was founded really to target uh, assisting nonprofit organizations in securing their speakers, largely fundraising events, those types of things. We've grown. That's still about 10 percent of our business. We love that. We're passionate about it. But um, the large bulk of our, our our highest watermark in event totals was a couple of years ago, pre-COVID. We all know that's changed things. It was about 2,000 events, and I'd say 90% of those were in the corporate space. So we're we're privileged to work with just about every company you can imagine and name to to understand their needs. We had nine agents on our team, and Josh, as you know, their job every day is to talk to an event partner and say what's the need, assess that need, and and suggest great speakers um, to to solve to solve a problem. So when you think about the the industry, there are different types of bureaus. You're you're on the the larger size in terms of, of staff and and volume. Uh, there's obviously you know one person bureaus and everyone in between. But I wanted to d- dive in. So some some uh, speaker bureaus are li- like speaking, for example, are um, non-exclusive bureaus. They don't represent any exclusive talent. Some folks like the Harry Walker Agency or, or Washington Speakers Bureau. Um, the the majority of their of their revenue comes from exclusive speakers. And and to my knowledge, you're sort of in the middle. Could you sort of explain the differences between an exclusive and non-exclusive bureau? and how you think about it as you continue to grow Premier. Yeah, sure. And that's a, uh, I'm very active in our association, International Association of Speakers Bureaus. And we're, we're a relatively small uh, association. And I, competitors is a strong word. We're friendly competitors, right? So we, we all get in a room a couple times a year and have a lot of laughs and talk through the, the intricacies of representation and what it looks like. And, and you're right, you hit the nail on the head. There's so many iterations or versions of Speakers Bureaus some that are one or two people shops, literally working from the kitchen table. Um, and then, you know, larger um, Harry Walker, Washington Speakers Bureau, Kepler, others that are really on the other end of that spectrum. But uh, we are what I call, you defined it correctly, you have on each end of the representation spectrum, you've got um, exclusives and then non-exclusive, right? Speaking, I got some great friends that are there. Um, they're completely non-exclusive. Um, and then Harry Walker, as you mentioned, only works with exclusive. I've always felt like the most um, um, valuable element for us and really for our clients is to be in between. So hybrid is the, the word that I use. And it's kind of the standard in inside of our industry conversations. And Premier has about 70 exclusive speakers. Meaning if you went to college with them, if you hit them up on Twitter, um, you know, if you go through a friend from a local organization, all roads are going to come back to Premier. It's going to end up in one of our inboxes at some point. And that allows that speaker to really just focus on being amazing at their craft. I tell our exclusives that often. We do all of the background work. We literally do um, all their travel, all the advance. We handle all the accounting, um, collections, all of that work. So all they have to do is be prepped and ready to step on the stage and crush it. Um, that doesn't mean that non-exclusives, we have a lot of those great relationships. Those speakers are equally as talented, um, but you can work directly with those or through other bureaus in the non-exclusive um, model. And Premier sits right in the middle. I did the... I haven't looked at the report this morning, but the bulk of our um, – over the last 10 years, we are just about in the middle. It, it, it bounces back and forth, 40, 60, 45, 55, um, but we're, we're usually out of that 
that best year of 2000 events. About a thousand of those are events that we've booked for our exclusive speakers. And then about a thousand of those are events we've booked for the non-exclusive. And the exclusive really organically happen most often. The you know, every every company is defined by the types of clients they serve. Um, and over time, it attracts certain types of speakers. And we see them and say, hey, we, we know we've got a great client base for the content you deliver. Um, and we can put them in front of those that volume of clients and really grow their business, sometimes almost exponentially, right? So it, um, it, there does need to be a real strategic relationship. And that's not something we enter into enter into lightly an exclusive relationship but when it works it works really well for the for the speaker for us and then also ultimately for the clients who we have a real deep understanding of what they're what they are looking for and, and what they want to accomplish with their event my experience with bureaus and, and certainly with with, uh, with you guys is that you know if you're if you're a brand new speaker you've never delivered a professional speech or you're very very early um, bureaus may not be the best starting point because you have to get a little bit of momentum I feel that bureaus once there's some momentum are good at amplifying momentum and expanding momentum but you have to get a little bit of momentum but that being said imagine that there's someone listening right now and and they're doing 20 to 30 dates a year they're on the ascent their fee is increasing they're they're getting great feedback and they're having that consideration. Should I stay independent? Should I have a speaker manager? Should I go exclusive with a particular bureau? Well, you just described is really enticing. You know, I just worry about my speaking. You go out there and, and do the sales and the collections and all the, all the contracting and, 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 and logistics. Awesome. Could you maybe just uh, walk us through the pros and cons of a speaker, like I just described, sort of on the ascent, choosing exclusive versus independent versus being managed? Sure. Yeah, that's a it's a great question and one that anytime I'm having a, a meal or a drink with a friend as a speaker, that that ultimately is one of the conversation points, right? Because that that's a big um, I see that in each of those steps really is the growth and maturation of a speaker's career. Um, not that exclusive is the ultimate end goal. Um, there are a ton of great speakers. You and, and our mutual friends, Peachy and Ryan, Seth, so many are, are not exclusive with the Bureau, have amazing Bureau relationships. I, I think ultimately that to work that backward, that question backwards, whatever you choose to do with the Bureau or not do, um, just making certain those are high integrity relationships and it's mutually beneficial um, for you and the bureau, and I think a, a reputable bureau, reputable bureau would want that that same thing. But uh, I often use the example of a CPA or an attorney. Um, it, you don't need those things when you're fresh out of college and scrapping to get your first job, right? Those are services that you you pay for as your career grows and you have um, assets and you need a money manager at some point. I'll, it, Think of a bureau as the same. We provide services to professional speakers um, when you're just starting out and you are hustling, looking for the next event. Um, you don't need to purchase those services from a bureau. And frankly, I, a bureau, it's it's not their time wouldn't be spent uh, invested well. Um, unless it's a unique strategic relationship pouring into that because there's no return for them, right? Ultimately, they're looking for opportunity for profit and growth. Um, over time, as you start to build that that book of business, uh, I think for every speaker, it's different, but um, that looking around and seeing which bureaus, if, if, if you're in a non-exclusive, let's say you've bumped into one or two bureaus, I, what I hear often from speakers is they'll bump into a bureau a bureau will bring them a date because a client will have asked about them. Um, they'll just really enjoy that relationship. 
that's often, you know, dating is probably the wrong analogy, but it feels a little bit like that at times, right? Um, it, that just organically grows. <clears throat> I always say to speakers, it, whether you have a relation, a non-exclusive or an exclusive relationship with a bureau, you really never have that with a bureau. You have that with individual agents, right? So we have, I mentioned we've got nine agents on our team. Brian Lord, who's been here for 22 years and our industry knows him and has a lot of respect for him. Um, there are certain speakers that they've got Brian Sell and they they call, at, bounce ideas off of him, exclusive or non-exclusive, right? That's a friendship and a relationship that's valuable in both directions. Uh, but really seeking out those those strategic personal relationships with individual agents because we do a weekly agent meeting and if Brian's passionate about a speaker, when there's a conversation about a particular topic, Brian will say, hey, just a heads up, this speaker's great. Don't forget about them. Inside of our building, that voice means a lot, right? So he he's then selling a speaker inside of our building for our agents to go and sell that speaker outside of our building. So that that is, whether it ultimately is exclusive or not exclusive, um, pursuing those relationships and not in a manipulative way. That's how relationships is how the world how the world works, um, relating specifically to individual agents. And then over time, if you see a bureau that there's just a lot of synergies there and you say, man, the dates they bring me just really fill my bucket. It's exactly what I want to do. Um, exploring an exclusive relationship. Obviously that's a two way street. The bureau has to see the value and the, and the speaker, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of paths there, but, um, it, it ultimately seems to kind of work itself out if you if you pursue it in the in the right way. Love it. So um, a lot of speakers that, that are listening now want to initiate new relationships with new bureaus. Maybe they're being booked by a couple other bureaus. Let's say they, they're really interested in connecting with 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 the good folks at Premier. What have you seen, Sean, that is a an effective approach for to initiate a relationship with a bureau and or an agent? And what are some ineffective approaches that you've seen uh, for people to try trying to, to get started? Yeah. Well, to start with the negative one first, then you and I have had some some laughs over this. And I, I never fault a speaker or anyone who's building on hustle. I mean, that we all started there at some point. Um, but the, the blast approach of mailing what I would call EPK, that's a little bit of an old term at this point, but, you know, just blasting away and sending books and unsolicited materials, just to be very upfront, invest your money differently, right? I mean, if, if you're going to send a book, reach out and try to build a relationship with an agent first to say, hey, give me 10 minutes and, you know, let me send you a book, those types of things. So that blasting approach of just mailing, 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 it's a waste of money, and I just encourage speakers to invest their money elsewhere. Um, and it, if you come to Premier's website, if you call our office, um, it, whatever it is, it, our starting um, position is we're not accepting new speakers. That's not because we're we're too important to be talked to. We, we literally could employ have an employee whose only job was vetting <clears throat> new speaker information. I mean, we it, we try to be standoffish really out of respect to the speaker community because we can't vet, even with all that standoffishness, it's probably a better term than that, but I probably get three or four unsolicited packets a day, easy three or four emails, <clears throat> probably one or two phone calls a day. So just imagine vetting all of that stuff. And you know, I, my goal is to be respectful of people and their hustle, but there's just no way to really vet that. So that that's the negative side first. The the positive side, and I I say this often, there, there are two ways to really capture our attention. 
um, or I would say any bureau's attention. One, another speaker recommend another speaker that I respect recommend a speaker to me. Um, a great example is we've got a great speaker, John Acuff, who's a mutual friend. John a year or two ago told me, he said, "There's this guy named Ryan Leak who is he's he's going to take over the world. He's amazing." I said, great. I'll log that. I'll watch one of his videos. Um, well, the, the next step in that, so a speaker recommendation or we start to lose business, right? Like so we got our agents are on the phone. They're pitching speakers and the client says, hey, thanks for this. That's great. We'll, you know, we'll work with you on the next event. But I stumbled into this one guy and I'm going to book him, right? Well, that's lost business or opportunity for us. That was Ryan. I mean, a couple of times, the, the clients that Premier works with, we know that they come to us. They consider us a resource said, hey, man, this guy, Ryan, like my VP saw him. I'm just going to book him, right? So we finally reached out to Ryan and said, hey, it feels like there's a lot of great connection here. So that's that's one example of a speaker that I respect, a Josh Linkner, a Pete, somebody says, hey, check this person out. Um, that that has huge value, right? Um, but then also, in not those don't have to be combined. Sometimes it's just I'll reach out and say, hey, Josh told me that he spoke last Tuesday. You followed him. And you crushed it, right? That means something. Uh, but then also losing business to a speaker, especially to specific types of clients that we know and understand, and we know what they want. We go, well, we can we can put that to use your term earlier. We we can magnify that. We can put that on steroids essentially, and put them in front of a thousand types of that type of client. Um, so we we'll seek that speaker out and and, and establish a non-exclusive relationship first. Make sure we can produce for them. And then if it just really works, we'd say, hey, let's talk about an exclusive relationship because it just makes a lot of sense. Becoming a keynote speaker is an amazing profession. The top performers earn millions in annual income while driving massive impact on audiences around the world. But the quest to speaking glory can be a slow route with many obstacles that can knock even the best speakers out of the game. If you're serious about growing your speaking business, the seasoned pros at Three Ring Circus, they can help. From optimizing your marketing and business efforts, to crafting your ideal positioning, to perfecting your expertise and stage skills, Three Ring Circus is the only speaker training and development program run by current high-level speakers at the top of their field. That's why the major bureaus like Washington Speakers Bureau, Premier Speakers, Speak Inc., Executive Speakers, Harry Walker Agency, Kepler, Gotham Artists, and GDA all endorse and participate in Three Ring Circus. From interactive boot camps to one-on-one coaching, Three Ring Circus will help you reach your full potential in the speaking biz, and they'll get there faster. For a free 30-minute consultation, visit threeringcircus.com forward slash mic drop. That's threeringcircus.com forward slash mic drop. So I thought we'd have a fun time, Sean, to play a quick game. Let's play a game called Myth or Truth. I'll say an idea about bureaus, speakers, whatever, and you tell me if it's a myth or truth. And and just give me a quick expansion, a couple sentences to tell me why it's either a myth or a truth. Sounds good. Uh, so our game show begins. Let's let's do it. Okay. <laughs> first one, first one is um, uh, once once I'm listed on a bureau website, I can just sit back and and, and the bookings will will happen. <laughs> myth. That's like listing a product on Amazon and expecting to sell it up, sell out of it tomorrow. Doesn't happen. Amazing. Okay, next one. Myth or truth? Bureaus are are the, a decider on who gets hired or not. Myth. They uh, they have a lot of sway because clients 
trust their opinion. We don't sell speakers. We sell consultancy and advice and risk mitigation to the event planner. Um, so we we can put a very strong push forward, but there's always a buyer on the other side and often many buyers. It's not one person. It can be three or four people. And then a VP up the food chain who isn't involved in the process last second says, what about this person? And that that's often how the decision is made. Yeah, just just to build on that, if you think about the, the actor model, you know, you could have a talent agent that gets you an audition, but you still have to win the audition. You still have to get the part. And the person who's the casting director is different than your talent agent. So my only point is if if you have a bureau that's excited about you, doesn't mean that they, you can't call them like, why aren't I getting booked? That, that's not the bureau's ultimate decision to make. They could put you forward, but okay. Uh, good, myth or truth. Um, uh, white middle-aged male speakers these days make more money than uh, people of diversity of any kind. Yeah, I, that's a myth at this point. I mean, people would argue that, that was a truth in the past, and that's a different conversation to have. But it, Josh, right now, and I love that this is what the market um, wants. And our we, just like any other company, especially in representation, our job is to provide the client what they're looking for based on the parameters they're asking. And a lot of our clients are saying, a friend of ours in escape, I think it's Mike Staver, who was president of NSA in the past. His term was male pale and stale, right? I, just, I like it because it rhymes, but he's like, hey, for years, for decades, that's been the predominant person on a stage and the industry wants something different. I love it. it it's a it's a riding of the ship, but I, those uh, diversity, different elements, those are buying points right now, to put it to put it plainly. And that's a that's an asset um, to, to many speakers. Yeah, by the way, just a comment on that. Totally agree. Our industry has been male, pale, and stale. And I'm delighted to see that there's a significant push for diversity, even if it negatively affects my own speaking business. 100% <laughs> is the right thing to do for our industry. It's I completely support it. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, myth, myth or truth. So um, a speaker who used to get uh, great applause and great, great laughs and everything, um, they haven't changed their speech much over the last two decades. And, and their business uh, is continuing to soar. Myth or truth? Well, that's got to be a myth. They're, they're, and so someone will counter that and say, well, here's an example of it being a truth. And I won't be able to argue that because there are some speakers out there who have used maybe even the same video, Josh, for the last decades. And it's just worked for them. I will never argue against what works. But I can tell you the vast majority of speakers, man, there's a there's a the same amount of hustle that Josh Linkner used to get your first gig, um, Josh Linkner uses to get the next gig, right? Like you invest time, energy, and you got a great team now that helps you with that. You also get your hands dirty with it. it the hustle can't stop. Keep building that content because the one person you can name that has the same content from 20 years ago, I can name you 99 who have done it differently. And, and that's the better model. Keep building that content. Staying relevant, staying in the zeitgeist, having fresh new things to say, 100% agree. Um, okay, good. Uh, myth, myth or truth, um, uh, this is good advice. Uh, I, I uh, just did an engagement for Premier Speakers Bureau. Someone in the audience came up to me and, and gave me their business card. A different company, though. I, I called them, and, 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 and they offered me a speech. Um, and, uh, you know, that— Premier really didn't have anything to do with it. They don't even know that customer. So I can just take that outside, do that direct, as opposed to looping my good friends back in at Premier. Is that good advice or is that is the truth? <laughs> Josh, I feel like you just lobbed a softball up. I get to hit it out of the park. I hope I don't swing and miss. 
Man, Josh, that you know, there. I'm a broken record. I only have a couple good ideas, but the strength of relationships. You know, we can all point to people and say, "Hey, they, they did it." You know, and they stepped on people on the way up. But the vast majority, and this is just deep down, people feel this, right? Like treating people well is the way to build your business over time. The the right way to handle spinoff, all those things. And I don't say right from a moral perspective. I do think that is the right thing to do from the right perspective, the right in this case being defined as the best way to build your business. Send that spin back. It's going to cost you a commission. Obviously, that is going to be the best money you've ever spent. That that sales meeting I mentioned earlier, when our agent goes in and says to the other nine agents, eight agents, hey guys, we just had a, I had a spend that I didn't even know about. I never would have, and trust me, this gets said in every sales room for every bureau around the country, around the globe. That spend came back to me. Um, in your case, Josh or Jordan called and said, hey, good news. I'm spending this back over to you. That That's money and time well invested from the speaker's perspective. And just understand that you're, you're buying and building a relationship at that point. And it's not about the next transaction for sure. And to, just to add one bit of flavor to that, um, the, the commission matters, right? Like we are in a business ultimately. Um, but the relationship with the client is much more valuable from the bureau's perspective. So, you know, you speak in your example, you speak at company X, company Y books you as spinoff the bureau wants to be involved in that because company Y is going to book speakers for the next 10, 15 years. They may only book Josh Lehner one time, but you and Jordan are great to spend that back to us. They're still going to book you. You don't lose anything in the deal, but the bureau then has a relationship for a decade or more to come. So that it, seeing that value is, is important from a pe- speaker perspective. Yeah. And then the, the last one in our little game I'll say is a myth or truth. Um, people in bureaus, can either really promote someone up high because they're doing great work and get you know being a good partner, or I just say the word blackball because I, I know no one would use that word internally, but effectively choose not to work with a particular speaker um, at all based on their behaviors or the way that they engaged. Yeah, well, I'm trying to think of the framing of the question, Josh. That that's the truth. That blackballing is the wrong term. I just always remind people that agents are human and humans, when they touch a stove once and get burned, they probably, if they have a brain, most of them do, they don't touch the stove again, right? If you have them take your car to a mechanic and get ripped off, I bet you don't take your car back to that mechanic unless you're a glutton for punishment. Um, you know, a, a good, a, a good experience creates another good experience. A great experience probably creates a few more great experiences. So it, the counter side to that is a negative experience or learning down the road, oh, that speaker got uh, you know some type of huge spin opportunity and I knew nothing about it. Um, or you know, there's a thousand iterations of that. But um, just ultimately seeing it as truly a two-way street, a relationship. And I hope that that is returned in kind from the bureau as well. I hope this isn't received as speakers should do everything to please a bureau. No, it should be both sides. Bureaus need to work hard to keep and build good relationships, but the speakers hopefully will see the value in those relationships. Yeah, perfectly said. Um, cool. Well, switching gears a little bit off of our off of our game show. <laughs> <laughs> what did I win, Josh? Oh, Mr. Sean Hanks, congratulations. <laughs> you win a bottle of cold ice water. <laughs> I'll take Nothing it. Nothing better. The mic drop prize of the day. 
so no, my question to you is around staying power. So we talked about how to, you know, what happens with someone starting with, with, with a bureau or in the industry. But I know that you've seen over your career speakers that flash up real real bright and then crash down and they're, they're gone in a year or two. And I know that you've also seen the, the journeymen and journeywomen that, that have, have, have endured the ups and downs of the industry that have evolved, have had the staying power and sustainability over time. What advice would you give to the to the speaker who's trying to build their business, not just for the grab the, the coin quick and get out, but but really wants to be here for 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years in the business? What do you recommend for people to think about as it relates to sustainability and staying power? Yeah, Josh, that that is such a burning or important question, I think, in the speaker community. And it's really, you know, almost adjacent to the bureau community. Um, but I, speakers... Often from the chair that I sit in, you really, I mean, it ultimately comes down to, are you a professional speaker or are you not a professional speaker? Um, you know, we, we all can it, tell the, the stories of, you know, I was watching the news and something happened and it was just pivotal. The whole world watched it. That person who's involved in that will get a ton of speaking requests, right? It's just the way our world works. Everybody wants them to show up on their stage tell their story. They want to see how tall they are, what they look like in person. Can they, you know, can, can they share the story? Well, all that stuff. That's the start of a speaking career. That's not a speaking career. The professional speaker builds a machine underneath them. Um, and I use that. That's not a pejorative term. That's a positive thing. They, they build a machine under them that generates more activity over time. And it's not just hoping that um, people want to continue to hear that story. Um, that That's the celebrity type of speaker. Um, the bulk of our industry, though, is made up of content speakers. Someone who was passionate about a topic, wrote a book about it, or just you said, I got I to gotta communicate this idea. And it just slowly, incrementally built something over time. But even those, I mean, if you somebody writes a New York Times bestselling book, they're thrust into a speaking um, career, but are they a professional speaker, right? The, the speakers who really um, look at it from a viewpoint of, to use your example, I, I want this to be a decade or two decades um, um, career for me and not, man, I hope they, people keep going to my website and asking me to speak. If you're doing that, that that will end. I mean, there I can count on maybe one hand the number of speakers who are still telling the same story from 20 years ago, and I promise you, even those speakers who are real story centric from just kind of a pivotal moment in our in our history, um, they've managed to find ways to make the story relevant. So they're no longer talking about this happened on that day. You remember it. It's the leadership that occurred on that day. Here are the lessons we can take from it. But um, building the system over time, machine underneath, um, you know, whether that's having staff in your office, those are all important decisions to make. And they're not small ones. Right? I mean, that we're talking about overhead um, at that point. Uh, but understanding that the speaking on stage is really just part of it. That that's the that's almost the icing on the cake. You love to speak, Josh. You're great at it. And when you're on stage, you're in your spot, man. You're crushing it. But, you know, there's so much stuff that goes on behind it to get you there. The pre-event calls, texting a client from Starbucks the morning of to let them know that you're in town, like all these little things that are hitting event planner pain points that speaking on stage, if you're a professional speaker and you're getting made up number 10 grand to speak, you better be great on stage. I mean, that's what they're expecting you to do, right? It's all the other stuff that that's going to either build a speaking career or you're going to have a great 
six month, 12 month run. And then the Twitter request and all these hit ups are going to start to dwindle and you're going to panic thinking, well, what do I do next? Cause I can, you know, I can only be in the world's eye one, one day in a, in kind of a lifetime moment. Um, you, you have to build the machine underneath you to continue to generate new content and what's next and look for what's next and not just hope it finds you. Yeah, it's so true. You know, when, when I've seen speakers before that are dynamite on stage, they make it look easy. But like things like in sports or on Broadway, if something looks easy, it's probably was hard to get there. And what that looks like behind the scenes isn't just you show up, drop in for 20 minutes and give a, a terrific talk. It's years of research on your body of work. It's practicing. It's studying your craft. It's building your back office. It's generating demand. So all the things that go underneath the surface and don't get noticed allows Lady Gaga to make it look easy on stage. <laughs> yeah, there's a whole lot of work that goes to become Lady Gaga. And same thing with speakers. And I, my, my, my sincere hope and one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is to, to, to elevate the professionalism of the industry. You know, you, 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 anybody can grab a PowerPoint and a mic and call themselves a speaker. But to me, it's a real honor to be on stage. And, and for those that treat it seriously, those that understand that's a, that's a, it's an opportunity to, to create influence and change the world and, and don't look down their nose at it or, or mail it in, but, but really make this a, a profession. Those are the ones that I respect the most. And I know that a lot of people listening right now are feeling the same way. So yeah. with that in mind, uh, 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 Sean, what are, what recommendations do you have for, for speakers that are earlier in their career that are either new to the industry, maybe they were a person of substance and they, they we, we've, for example, worked with, uh, astronauts and four-star generals and people that sold their business for a billion dollars and such. So someone of substance that's new to the industry or someone that's kind of getting, getting going, they've got a little bit of momentum, you know, 10, 15, 20 dates a year looking to scale their practice. What, what advice do you have for folks in that category on how they can really launch and scale their, their business? Yeah. Um, and, and that's probably, a, we could have an hour long conversation about that, but a couple of quick hit things. Um, I, we say often internally, at Premier, if you speak on everything, you speak on nothing, right? I mean, event planners, um, they are looking for, I mentioned earlier, risk mitigation, first of all. That's part of the reason they work with bureaus. So this is all from a bureau perspective. They know that we will not pitch them a speaker who's not a fantastic speaker, who has all the great assets, a great video, intro, all, all, the, all the tools they need to put a speaker on stage we are somewhat of a filter for that, right? Um, but for that speaker who's maybe working with the Bureau or not, um, you really have to know what you speak on. I mean, that that sounds very elementary, but I, it, I, there's also a, a hustle factor. And I mentioned earlier, I respect that, but saying to anyone, oh man, just tell me what to speak on and I'll speak. Nope, that's not how this industry works. Like you need to be an expert on something. And one way to be an expert on it is to write a book on it. And I don't say that lightly because I have so many friends who have written books and they've said, you know, having and raising a child was easier than this. Like, it's not easy, right? It's really difficult. Um, but it, even starting to format, so if you're, as you described, somebody who's just really starting starting out, I'm not saying write a book tomorrow, but you got to have that thing in your head that says, when I write a book, this will be it. Like, this is the thing, I'm the stake in the ground. That is, it's who I am. It's my content. It's my byline. I mean, we in our system actually have a byline where if you go and look at Josh Leitner's page, it'll tell you, you know, why you should know who Josh Leitner is. Um, so really clarifying what that thing is. And often I have found, especially speakers who are big thinkers and creators, they need someone else to come alongside them and help them do that. That's not weakness. I mean, you, you can build a speaking career on your own with a lot of hustle 
or you can bring in, as I mentioned earlier, you don't need a CPA until you got money. You don't need an attorney until you have thing, you know, legal um, companies to build all these things, corporation. Um, it, look around and say, all right, I need a service to kind of help me refine this three ring circus. And Josh, don't blush. I really am passionate about what you, what three ring circus does um, because you guys are creating products for bureaus to put in the market. But seek out Three Ring Circus or someone who can coach you through, okay, you created a video. Let me watch it with independent eyes. This isn't as good as you think it is. Or maybe it's great. Maybe it's better than you think it is. But having someone to to help who has a proven process, there's a lot of that back-end stuff that I mentioned building the machine underneath you. Don't recreate the will. Go you know, ment- find a mentor or find another speaker who's done it um, or, you know, go spend, invest a weekend and let someone else have made all the mistakes for you. And I heard somebody say once, the only thing better than learning from your mistakes is learning from somebody else's mistakes, right? So don't invest your time making mistakes, invest your time learning from someone else's, um, take a lot of notes. And that I've seen that put people's career in turbo mode because, they didn't have to sit for a year and go, oh man, my website should have looked like this a year ago. No, spend some, invest some time and and go get coached on that. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. Um, so I wanted to shift a little bit about, you know, you personally and then also the future, but um, why do you do this, Sean? Like, I, I know you, you're, you've been in the industry a long time, but you're a very smart, talented guy. You could do you, you could thrive in any industry, I believe, that you, you pursued. What is it about the world of speaking? It's not just because you are there. I'm, again, you could use about anything. What what draws you? What, what Why is your heart so deep into this? Why have you taken a leadership role across the association? What's moving you to stay uh, connected and relevant in the world of professional speaking? Well, it, I, I would say, first of all, I have four kids. One of them just went to college, Josh. So that that's definitely a motivating factor. You as a parent, no. <laughs> no, I... I Kidding aside, I really do see the value in um, an expert, a group of people assembling. And I like to say, you know, when COVID hit, we were all terrified of, I mean, first of all, just COVID. But then as we started to assemble, so many of us would get on these these dark and gloomy Zooms, like, is our industry going to make it, right? I mean, are people ever going to assemble and have someone get on a stage and talk to them again? I was always comforted with the notion that we didn't make this up, right? I mean... Humans have been doing this for a very long time, and it's, you know, you, they gathered around a campfire, and someone told a story, and that made a difference, right? I mean, even before we were a written culture, it was – people were telling stories and moving other people to do things. I've always been passionate about that thing. I mean, it you know, when, when a company says, we have to change the direction of the ship, something's – something's off and they do a ton of research and we get to be involved in it or anyone's involved in it. And they say, you know what, if we put this, if we bring this person in, they're going to give us the tools to change the course of our company. Um, that sounds a little bit pie in the sky, but it's not. I mean, I, I countless, I have a Google doc of probably a thousand or more, I call them premier praises, but it's usually people emailing me after an event <clears throat> when I follow up with them and they say, man, this speaker like genuinely gave us language to change something in our company that's impacting, you know, a, a company of 500 people or a thousand people. Josh, I can't get on a Southwest flight and go talk to 500 or a thousand people and try to give them any type of, not that I would even have sage advice for them, but the fact that we get to be involved in 
truly impacting. I mean, ultimately, I did the math once. I think it was like 2.1 million people in one calendar year based off of <laughs> our the data we had attendance numbers, you know, extrapolated over all the events. Impacted 2 million people. Now, did every one of them dr- dramatically change their life? No, but some of them did, right? And companies were changed and, and people were employed. And, you know, that that trickles down and impacts culture in a way. And I, it's a... It's a sneaky way that I and I, all of our team, there's 26 of us, get to impact culture in ways that we couldn't. I mean, it truly grows our influence exponentially, right? We wouldn't be able to impact people in that way. So that's a long way to say it just gives us a, a way to impact and change the world in a small way. But that's the best way to start, right? I, I couldn't agree more. You know, we, we say that it's the speaking industry. Um, speaking is the delivery mechanism, but it's really more like we're in the aha industry. We're helping people see the world a little different. We're helping them get this nugget that they can make a positive impact in their lives, both personally and professionally. So I couldn't agree more. And I, I can tell that you're, you know, you and, and the whole Premier team is, is just deeply passionate about positively affecting the world, which is awesome. Um, Sean, last question for you. You've been at this a while. You know the industry cold. I want you to grab your crystal ball. So you got your crystal ball, you polish that baby off, and we're looking out 10 years from now. Uh, We are, lots of technology changes, the world's changed, geopolitical, everything else has changed. What's different about the world of professional speaking when you and I are sitting down having a coffee 10 years from today? That's a great question, Josh. My crystal ball left at home, so I'll have to just (laughs) shoot from the hip. Um, I'm also going to look up some lottery numbers, by the way. For those four kids that I mentioned, I have to go to college. I'll start with this. I started at Premier on October 16th of 2000. So that was 22 years ago, not to date this conversation, but it's been a while. I remember the first interactions that I had with other bureaus. There was this real dire kind of gloomy conversation about, have you heard about the internet and how it's just going to devastate speakers bureaus, right? If I'm honest, like the first few months, I thought, well, the math seems to work out. If I can Google Josh Linkner and just go book him, why would I use a bureau, right? And then the more I – and by the way, I started. I didn't know what a speaker's bureau was. I, I Googled it or whatever was the search term of the day, Alta Vista, whatever it was. Ask Jeeves, uh, what's a speaker's bureau? Um, I realized, like, you know what? The internet is a tool – I mean, tools, you know, we discovered fire and then we chiseled granite into or whatever we used into into an axe. Like a tool can be used for good or bad. So all that to say, 22 years ago, the death of the Speakers Bureau was was predicted. And, you know, those that said, well, why don't we use it to help us versus hurt us? Oh, okay. Well, if I'm honest, Josh, that's been part of the reason Premier's been so blessed. We really leaned into technology and our clients saw that and go, oh, that's, this is easier. I still get the consultancy and value of your expertise. I still get my speaker. It doesn't cost me anymore. Um, it doesn't, you know, the speaker doesn't um, do anything differently. It's just, I get an extra layer of essentially insurance, right? Um, so that as a history example, history lesson to say, there's been so many of those iterations, different things that have come along um, at some point people said, well, social media, I mean, I, I'll just, I'll just tweet at Josh and say, Hey, come speak at my event. Right. Okay. Well, that's another version of direct contact. That's not bad. Let's figure out how do we utilize that, um, to our advantage. So all of that as 
man, the future, trying to guess it, you know, people have lost a lot of money and opportunity doing that. One thing I am confident, and I, I say this in, in our walls all the time, speaker, people will always want a, an expert, um, someone to come challenge, motivate and inspire them. That's not going to change. Like I said, it's been happening for a very, very long time. It will continue to happen. Um, how that happens, um, that's always, I mean, you and I are doing this from separate states right now, um, but staring into webcams, right? We didn't, that wasn't really a thing three years ago. I mean, it, it would happen if you had to do it, but we probably looked a couple of virtual events a year and they were always stop gaps because somebody was snowed in at the Denver airport. Um, now it's a thing, right? Uh, but the delivery mechanism is just part of the transaction. I mean, that's just now a negotiating point. Hey, if this if they're stuck at Denver Airport, they will do it by Zoom. Um, but ultimately, people want that experience of come and inspire and challenge us. Um, so that that's not going away. Um, it's just the mechanism of how that's delivered. Um, and you know whether that's next year or ten years, that's going to change on some level, um, you know, holograms or whatever it is. But ultimately, it still involves the transaction of we have a need, we've got to communicate an important idea to our team. We want to change culture, change movement, whatever it is. This person is great at this. Let's marry those two, change the direction of the ship. That thing's going to happen for a very, very long time to come. Well, well, great insights. And, and Sean, you know, thank you not only for your time today, but your leadership in our industry. I do sincerely hope and, and believe we will be drinking together coffee or something else uh, ten, 10 years out. And and you're right, the, the world will continue to evolve. The mechanisms will continue to to grow. But this core idea of sharing human connection and inspiration in, in, wrapped in, in an expert message, uh, I agree with you, will we'll continue to sustain. So uh, thanks, brother. I appreciate your time and wishing you and the whole team at Premier all the best. Thank you, Josh. Appreciate it, buddy. Part CEO, part philosopher, part change agent. I just loved my conversation with Sean. A few key points really jumped out at me. Number one, Sean encourages us to remain hungry and to continue to create new content and new insights. Sustainable success in our business isn't a destination, it's an ongoing process. Number two, even in a tech-forward world, relationships are the lifeblood of success. Building mutual and trust-based relationships with our bureau partners is the best way to scale and win over time. And number three, I just love how Sean put it. If you speak on everything, you speak on nothing. We have to have deep expertise and a concise point of view to cut through the clutter and land with bureaus, buyers, and audiences alike. We're not only lucky to have Sean on Mic Drop, we're lucky to have someone with purpose, integrity, and thoughtfulness as one of the most impactful leaders in our field. Here's to wishing him and you continued momentum and success. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Mic Drop. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. If you love the show, please share with your friends and don't forget to give us a five-star review. For show transcripts and show notes, visit micdroppodcast.com. Mic Drop is produced and presented by eSpeakers. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Three Ring Circus. I'm your host, Josh Linkner. Thanks for listening, and here's to your Mic Drop moment. <laughs>